What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I sincerely hope all of you guys are hunkered down, staying safe and sane in the midst of our very frustrating and scary current situation. And and for those of you with children, especially multiple small children, just let me say, God bless you. You are the real heroes in my book. I don't know how you guys are doing it. Uh, And the reason I bring this up is some of my neighbors around us here, they have uh, multiple small children. And I'm just kind of watching the parents just do incredible work uh, just again, being like flat out heroes, trying to keep these kids entertained, running around ragged all day long. So I mean, I, I looked at my wife and I told her today that this crisis has reaffirmed, at least for me, our decision to not have children. It's hard enough keeping myself sane through this. I cannot imagine trying to entertain small children in my home 24-7 for the next whoever knows how long. So All of you in that situation, and I know it's probably a bunch of y'all out there, stay strong. You guys got this. But uh, as y'all know, I'm Tyler, and I am actually flying solo on this edition of the Glory UGA podcast. Curtis is actually driving back home from law school as I record this, but he will be back for our next episode that, as of right now, we plan to post sometime this weekend, probably on Sunday. Today, though, uh, as I told you guys earlier in the week uh, with our last episode, I know the rest of the sports world has gone dark, but uh, this podcast is going to soldier on. We are not leaving you guys hanging. I know there's not like much hard football or basketball or baseball or even tennis content to talk about right now, really anything, honestly, but we're going to do our very best to have you guys covered as I laid out in the last show. Like, we are accustomed to talking football all year long, even during the long off season. So that's not really anything new to us, even when there's not much hard football to talk about. Of course, it'd be easier if spring practice was actually going on right now. We had stuff on the field to discuss, but that's not the case. But that's cool. We, we, we're we're uh, accustomed to doing this, and we have a lot of cool ideas that we're going to be running with the next couple of weeks to try to keep you guys uh, as sane as possible, just to kind of give you a, a way to escape from all the craziness that's going on around you right now, especially for you guys who have kids, just a chance to kind of take a, a few minutes, uh, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, however long an episode might have been, just to take some time for yourself and uh, just escape all the noise, all the chaos, everything that is going on around us. Today, though, I wanted to come on here and discuss some of the latest news that came down regarding the potential for Georgia and any other SEC team to hold a spring practice. Uh, I really don't want to talk much about COVID-19 during this crisis because, again, I want this podcast to be a much-needed escape for all of you out there. But at the same time, spring practice is kind of a big deal, especially this year for us, in my opinion. Uh, And So with that in mind, I thought it was both relevant and important for us to discuss how COVID-19 is affecting our ability to get on the field and prepare for the 2020 season, and also maybe look at some potential alternative plans to spring practice, at least the, the traditional spring practice. So bear with me for one episode, and from here on out, until there is some more actual news to discuss, we will do our best to keep this a coronavirus-free podcast. But uh, let's talk about spring practice, or more aptly maybe, let's talk about the fact that spring practice is, as far as I'm concerned, officially not happening. Uh, If you missed it, spring practice, in my book at least, was officially killed 
if it wasn't already. It was on life support, but then it was officially just uh, uh, completely knocked out when Governor Kemp announced Monday that all colleges and universities in the university system of Georgia, which obviously includes the University of Georgia, would be conducting online instruction for the remainder of the spring semester. Uh, he also went a step further and, and just flat out barred students from being on campus, with the exception uh, of those students who are unable to return home for various reasons. Uh, and uh, those and students are I mean, they're barred right now, and they're not allowed to return to campus until they receive permission from the university. So my mind, I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but I think a lot of you are probably like me. My mind is wired to think about football all the time and view just about everything through that prism. I was the guy who, as soon as they announced that the NBA was suspended on Thursday night, uh, I was the guy whose mind went immediately towards college football. I was like, oh my God, dear God, please do not take college football from me. Yeah, yeah, that was my first thought. That's just how my mind works. I'm a crazy person. I, I have a sickness. I get it. I know. Uh, but I'm okay with that. So as soon as I read Kim's order, my mind immediately went to football, like it always does, and thought, well, there goes spring practice. Uh, and, and like, look, the SEC had previously suspended athletic activities until March 30th and then extended that uh, moratorium to April 15th. So even before the Kemp announcement, I knew it was an extreme long shot that we would be able to get any sort of spring practice in. But you know, you have to hold out hope to get you through these things, right? Uh, hope is powerful. It's a powerful force. It's, it's a big part. Let's be real. It's a big part of what has kept all of us coming back year after year after year to Sanford Stadium since 1980. Uh, that hope that maybe, just maybe, this is the year we win that elusive national title yet again. Uh, but that hope, uh, at least in terms of spring practice, was officially dashed with that order from Governor Kemp. I mean, look, if student-athletes are indeed students, however thin that pretense may be in this day and age, and students are barred from campus indefinitely, well, if that's the case, spring practice then logically just cannot happen, right? So that's that. Uh, we have to move on. Dwelling on it does absolutely no good. Uh, and I, I try my best to be a solution-oriented kind of guy, so uh, let, let, let's do that right now. Let's look at the possible solutions to the situation if spring practice indeed cannot happen as it traditionally does. Uh, for me, there, there are two ideas that immediately come to mind. Uh, the first idea is the one I like the best, but at the same time, it's also probably the less feasible of the two ideas that immediately come to mind for me. Uh, and that idea is to start spring practice when the first summer school session starts, or at least sometime during the first summer school session, that at Georgia, at least right now, is scheduled to run May 12th through June 4th. I know all universities in the SEC may not have the exact same start and end date to the first summer session, but they're at least like relatively close. And, and, and it shouldn't really matter anyway if they're on different days, uh, because there has never been a universal start date for SEC spring practices, at least as long as I've been watching, you know, teams generally are given 15 practices to get in and they're allowed to schedule those as they desire. They don't have to use all 15. They don't want to, but they're given 15 and they kind of schedule them as the team, the program sees fit, you know, under Derek Mason, Vanderbilt, for instance, has started their spring practice in late February, the past few seasons, while we typically start the Tuesday after spring practice, after spring, uh, spring break under Kirby Smart. So that really should not be a holdup. Uh, and then the reason I like this idea the best, 
you know, doing this uh, when when uh, summer school, the first session of summer school opens is because of the time it gives our guys to prepare and heal their bodies for fall camp. If we begin spring practice, well, I guess it wouldn't exactly be spring practice anymore if it happens in mid to late May, but we're still going to call it that for the purposes of this show. But if we begin practice, spring practice, whatever you want to call it now, the week of May 12th, when the first session of summer school first begins, we could run it for two weeks. And uh, that would still give us six weeks once it ends before fall camp begins the first full week of August. It's still obviously not ideal because we probably wouldn't be able to get the full 15 practices in and we'd have to run them Monday through Friday, likely, without giving our guys much of a break at all, which is tough. That's really tough. The way Kirby has structured it since he took it over is for us to have three practices a week during spring practice. You have a Tuesday practice, a Thursday practice, and then a Saturday scrimmage. You have plenty of time for the bodies to rest and for guys to actually, and also go in there and watch film at practice, see what they did well, see what they need to improve on, and get some coaching in the meeting room. Um, and, and so you do that for five weeks culminating in G-Day, with that being the final spring scrimmage. But with the time crunch and things moving into the early summer at the earliest right now because of of COVID-19, I'm not sure right now how we get 15 practices in unless we extend it to five days a week for three weeks, and then that just becomes a major grind. I mean, two weeks, you know, going five days a week is already tough enough, uh, but three weeks of, of Monday through Friday practice with, with only the weekends to have a break in between there, that's pretty tough. It also, uh, not only is it a grind, but it increases the risk of injury. It reduces the recovery and the summer workout time prior to the start of fall camp. And there's just a point of diminishing returns at, at some point there. Uh, now, my caveat to this is that if one team, if we can't get all 15 practices in, if there are even just a couple of teams out there at least in the SEC, they feel that they can get 15 practices in in that short time frame without increasing the risk of injury for the student-athletes, I think the SEC needs to step in and say, all right, we're into the moratorium on spring practice, but to level the playing field, we're only allowing teams 10 practices. Ideally, the NCAA really would step in and do that like they did with the recruiting restrictions during the crisis, uh, I guess over the weekend. You know, the Big Ten, the SEC, pretty quickly – once uh, everything started getting canceled and shut down, they suspended on-campus recruiting, uh, on and off-campus recruiting. Uh, they did that first, if I'm remembering correctly. And then they kind of, and I really was not so subtly suggesting that the NCAA needed to institute an NCAA-wide suspension of on and off-campus recruiting so that conferences that chose to act in a socially responsible way weren't operating at a disadvantage, which the NCAA, to their credit, did ultimately end up doing. So I think that would be the ideal situation. I mean, really, I think that would be the ideal and honestly the most appropriate course of action. Uh, Just move spring practice back to the first weeks of summer sessions across the country, whenever it is that those the the various schools start their first session uh, of summer school, but then cap it at 10 practices for everyone across the board uh, throughout the nation, whatever conference it is. But while... I do think this is the best case scenario. As I said, I do have questions about the feasibility of this option, primarily because of the timeline. You know, May 12th may seem out in the distance right now, like it's an eon away with us kind of trapped inside and then the entire world just canceled. It seems like it's so far away, right? But it's really not that far away. It's actually 
just two months away. And yeah, maybe last Friday when this was all still very new and we were trying to wrap our heads around this new reality, I'll be honest, I, I thought that surely, surely, right, everything would be back to normal by May. There's just no way this could last in the early summer, right? Uh, it's just going to be 14 days and then two weeks, things are going to get back to normal. But uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that anymore. I mean, look, I do not know. I don't know. Uh, I'm certainly not an expert and won't pretend to be. Uh, I try to keep up with all the developments the best that I can to be responsible in that regard, but I, I don't know. Uh, and, and that's the thing. No one really does. Like even the experts, like they they know a lot more than us. But this is literally new to everyone. Even the experts, like this is a whole new phenomenon. What's happening? Not, not, not the idea of a pandemic necessarily. But this specific pandemic, this specific virus, it's new to everyone. And that's that's the scariest and most maddening part of all this, at least for me, uh, is just that I don't know, experts don't know, like no one really knows. We're all guessing. Some people have more educated guesses than others, but like we don't really know. Uh, but President Trump, he went on TV on Monday and said uh, this might extend into July or August. And I, I'm here and I'm, and I'm like, What? what is going on now? And then, yeah, Dr. Fauci later clarified that by uh, by explaining that like, when Tr President Trump said July or August, uh, what that meant was like that's when potentially the curve is on the downslope. But still, still, oh my God. And, and then, of course, you have the CDC recommendation to restrict gatherings of 50 or more people for eight weeks that was released on Sunday. That was the first like one that like, just hit me over the head, like eight weeks. And then you hear President Trump say July or August, and you're like, oh my God, the world is ending, what's going on? And that makes you think about like what's going to happen to football season and those thoughts that I don't want to think. Um, but uh, those eight weeks, okay, let's just get back on track here. Those eight weeks the CDC recommended uh, restricting gatherings of 50 plus people, that would end two days before our summer school, at least right now, is slated to begin on May the 12th. Of course, that recommendation could be revised in either direction. It could be shortened. It could be lengthened. Like, like who knows? Like, you know, we just don't know. And that's the, the scariest thing to me. Um, so that's why I have questions about the feasibility of spring practice in mid to late May. We might not get the thumbs up to start scaling back on social distancing enough to actually get 85 guys and their coaches together to conduct a spring practice. And universities might not even be clear to hold summer classes or even have students back on campus. And if students aren't allowed back on campus, then there's just, by that time, there's no way that we're going to be able to hold any sort of practice, any sort of spring or early summer practice, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we just don't know. We don't know. It's tough, man. Uh, but I will say May 12th, uh, it's exactly eight weeks away from today. I'm recording this show right now. It's Tuesday, March the 17th, so it's exactly eight weeks away. Um, so I don't know. That's uh, it's that's a very uh, that's going to be cutting it very close. Let's just say that. So it's very questionable. Well, I, I think this would be the ideal situation. I still think I, I have to admit it's questionable if that would really be a feasible option based on the estimated timeline of this virus. So. Uh, if things aren't clear to go by the start of summer school on May 12th, I think the next best option, if you're asking me, would be to just let teams add two extra weeks onto the front end of fall camp. I don't love that option. I guess it's better than not having those practices at all, but I really don't like that option as much because 
fall camp, like guys, it's already such a grind. And then to add two additional weeks to it without any break for the players, that's tough. And like I know, like when we were all growing up and and we had spring practice and fall camp, like I mean, I know I had two days, but two days don't happen anymore, uh, especially not in college. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess maybe some, I'm sure somewhere in, in high school football across the country it still happens, but like, that was just the norm for us. Like we'd come to we'd, we'd come to practice two or three weeks before we went back to school, and it'd be two a days, five days a week for two or three weeks. And, and like we got through it, sure, absolutely. But like, yeah, remember back that time, guys? Like by the every week, especially as you got towards the end of, of that camp, like your body was dead. I mean, you're out there in the Georgia heat. Uh, during the summer, going you're out there practicing for five, six hours a day. Like your body starts to, uh, it, it starts to wear down. So like I know that hey, you know back in the day we were able to do that. These guys should be able to do it too. Like yeah, okay, I'm sure they could do it. But what kind of shape would they be in once the season actually got here? I mean, look, I mean monotony sets in, guys. After practicing so much for such a long period of time, bodies get tired. The risk for injury in- increases. And again, like. When you have that much practice in a short time, there is a point of diminishing returns. That's what I'm trying to say here. And another reason I would prefer a break between spring practice and the start of fall camp, outside of the reasons I listed above, is that I think it would be very beneficial for us in our situation. It'd be very beneficial for our new offensive staff to have a chance to see what they have to work with and spend at least a month or so after getting a chance to see that talent uh, once they learn about the talent and, and see what they have during spring practice, get, have a month or so to use that information to fine tune the offense, figure out who our playmakers are going to be, and then spend the summer months designing ways to get the ball in their hands and take advantage of their skill sets. But if the t- if for timeline purposes, we have to just extend fall camp by two weeks, um, that's going to make that tougher to do. We're going to be doing a lot more of that kind of on the fly. And I guess that's better than just throwing our hands up and throwing those practices away completely. But I, I still just, uh, I don't prefer that option. It's better than nothing, obviously. It's much better than nothing. But I would love for us to try to find a way to get in before fall camp and, and not have to extend fall camp any longer than it already is. And, and guys, here's the thing. The real reason why I decided it was worthwhile to do an entire episode on on spring practice and how we're going to make it work potentially is because I think it is critically important for our team to get those practices in. Look, teams like, all right, let's stay in the SEC East and and let's say Florida, for instance. Teams like that that have a returning starting quarterback like Kyle Trask and returning play caller like Dan Mullen, they're going to be running the exact same offense. Those teams will be at a major advantage going into the 2020 season if the spring practices are lost. Of course, like look, of course, even with spring practice teams that have a lot of key players and coaches returning for any given year, like, like they always have an advantage of sorts because instead of learning something new and spending spring practice trying to get a grasp on that, they're just fine-tuning. They're just polishing what they already know. But if you take spring practice completely out of the equation, that advantage grows exponentially. Uh, Teams like us, and here's my concern, teams like us who are breaking in a new coordinator, 
who likely plans on changing the offense pretty dramatically. We don't know for sure what it'll look like, but there's going to be some pretty serious changes um, that are also working in a new starting quarterback who has to build relationships and trust the team and, and try to take over a leadership role, uh, breaking a new starting tailback, trying to find some wide receivers, to take the pressure off the number one guy uh, in George Pickens, uh, and also working in at least, at least three new stars on the offensive line with a new offensive line coach, by the way. Like, l- losing 10 to 15 practices... Uh, that spring practice would offer, it puts teams like that, teams in our situation, at a clear disadvantage when compared to the Floridas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States of the world, who have quarterbacks and who have offenses and play callers that are all returning from last year. Like They don't have that need to implement something new. They're just polishing. They're just fine-tuning. They're not implementing something totally foreign to their players. So yeah, uh, I'll admit it. I, I'm man enough to admit it. I am. Uh, I'm worried. Uh, since we landed Jamie Newman and Todd Munkin to go along with with what I project, I think what most of us project to be uh, a dominant defense. Uh, I've thought that this could finally be the year. And like, I, I'm not even. I'm not even afraid to say that. Like, I really. I've thought. I mean, I've mentioned it on the show. I've maybe kind of uh, uh, stepped around the issue, but like, I, I've. I felt since we got news that we were getting Jamie Newman and Todd Munkin that this could be the year, especially with the defense we had coming back. I mean, look, guys, think about our offense last year. With the defense that we had a championship-level defense, we all know that. We all know that. If our offense was just competent last year, we could have been in the college football playoff. I, I truly like. Even if we lose to LSU in the SEC title game, we don't lose to South Carolina if our offense is just remotely competent. That's, I mean, that that is the truth, man. And uh, if we don't lose South Carolina, we go in the SEC Championship game undefeated. And even if we happen to lose that game, um, and I know we lost it kind of big there, but we also had some extenuating circumstances. We got Andre Swift. Pickens misses the first half. Uh, Dominic Blaylock goes out with injury. Like, there are some some circumstances there. I think we would have gotten in. I, I really believe that if our offense was just remotely competent. So, yeah, I'm not afraid to say. I think our defense actually has the chance to be maybe even better this year, as Curtis I've laid out the past couple of weeks. And if you just can can just get our offense to a competent level. I'm serious, guys. I'm not even asking for for even like very good. I, I mean, that'd be awesome. I'm asking for just competence. I, that, if we can get that, I thought this had a chance to finally be that year. Um, but if we lose those 10 to 15 practices, I uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I'm not saying it's necessarily a death blow to our chances, but... At the very least, guys, like you have to admit, it certainly puts us behind the eight ball, especially when you consider that we open with Virginia, who I know is not a, a powerhouse, uh, but is has become, under Bronco Mendenhall, a very respectable Power 5 team that won their division a year ago. Regardless of what you think about the ACC and the ACC Coastal, they won their division a year ago, and they gave Florida a, a solid game in the Orange Bowl. And then, of course... We all know what comes up week three. Uh, we have to head to Tuscaloosa and, and take on old Nick Saban in week three. So I don't know. Like we're, If we had a little more breathing room early in the year, this, this would be the year. If there never was the year to kind of start off with uh, with two or three uh, little sisters of the poor, those baby seals, this would be the year. But we don't have that luxury this year. So um, that's concerning to me. Uh, I just, uh, man, I do not know. But look, th- there's a very good chance. Maybe I'm being needlessly pessimistic here. That certainly is a uh, is, is a very big possibility, but uh, we need those practices some way, somehow. Whether that happens, well, that's anyone's guess, but I, for one, am of the opinion that we 
very, very much need to find a way to get those practices in in some way, shape, or form. But all right, guys, that does it for me here on the Glory UGA podcast. I know this wasn't the longest episode that we've ever done. And honestly, this was kind of an impromptu show that I really wasn't planning on doing until about two or three hours ago. I was out running today and was uh, running through all of this in my mind. It was like, you know what? Let me try to get a show together today to give people something to listen to. And and that's why Curtis isn't on the show today because I kind of just decided to do this kind of last second. But I did want to get on here and talk about spring practice and the potential options to maybe possibly somehow make it work because I do think it's really important for our team and our chances to actually do something big in 2020. Curtis and I will be back this weekend with our first UGA bracket episode. I introduced this idea on the last episode that we posted on, uh, was it Sunday night? So if you didn't hear that, um, just a, a quick primer here. The basic idea is it's kind of it's pretty much sticking with the March Madness theme. Rest in peace, 2019-2020 college basketball season. Uh, Curtis and I are going to put together some Georgia sports-related brackets on various topics and pick our way through them since no one really had a chance to do the traditional NCAA basketball bracket. Uh, I do want to make a correction of sorts. I said on Tuesday that the first bracket episode was going to be the greatest moments in Georgia football history, and we will get to that one. But we talked about it a little bit more, and we're going to pull an audible this week and go with the best Georgia football players of the past 25 years. We thought you guys might enjoy that maybe a little bit more. So we're going to run with that first, uh, and we're in the process of putting that bracket together right now. And we're going to try to get uh, those matchups out on social media to you guys so that you can have a chance to vote on each matchup and uh, have a little input in there. That would be a lot of fun. So that should be fun, and we are very much looking forward to giving that a shot. I know, I do know that it's something a little bit different than what uh, we normally do in this podcast, which you've come to expect from us. But like we said on Sunday's show, we want to keep the content coming for you guys through this whole crisis to give you that much-needed football fix And to do that, we're going to get creative and we're going to try some different things. So should be fun. Uh, But thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate that. I mean, uh, we cannot ever thank you guys enough for the support that you've offered our show over the years. New listeners, old listeners, we love all you guys. Again, like I said at the outset of the show, I really sincerely hope that all you guys are hunkering down, staying safe, staying sane as much as possible. And uh, I I promise you, we're going to do our very best to help you out in any small way that we possibly can by uh, producing some content for you guys as much as we can throughout the next couple of weeks and maybe months. Who knows? We don't know how long it's going to last, but as long as it lasts, we got you guys covered and the rest of the sports world has gone dark and that's uh, that sucks through this kind of craziness that we're going through. It'd be nice to have um, some stuff to be to talk about and, and, and watch and all that kind of stuff, but we don't have it right now. So we're going to do our best to kind of fill that void for you guys and give you that football fix, that Georgia sports fix as much as we possibly can. So stay strong, guys. I know that you will. Uh, You guys know I'm Tyler. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. And as always, go dogs.